if you have your Bibles with you or your mobile phone with your YouVersion Bible on it, let's turn together to Matthew chapter 27 in the New Testament. Today we start a brand new series called Red Letter Day. Could all of you say Red Letter Day? Again, one more time, Red Letter Day. Today we're going to start a series that I believe is going to impact you in a very significant and very deep and meaningful spiritual way as we look at some of the things that Jesus said while hanging on the cross. As we prepare our hearts for uh, Easter weekend when we celebrate the empty tomb, I thought it would be very meaningful if we look at the phrases, the phenomenally powerful uh, and theologically deep phrases that Jesus uttered while on the cross. And today, we're going to do something that may never have been done before in the history of the church world. I will actually be team teaching with about 120 pastors all over the world. I will teach for a while, and then I'm going to invite uh, campus pastors and network church pastors to come and to help me share in God's word. And so when your local pastor comes, would you help him out in a big way by making him feel very, very welcome as we together with 120 or so pastors from around the world partner together in God's word. Let's start Matthew 27 verse 37 to give you context on the first words we're going to look at at Jesus on the cross. The Bible says, above Jesus' head... They placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. They're mocking him. They're saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. You said that, and, and so we're making fun of you. Verse 38, two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. And we're going to look in detail at these two thieves, these two criminals in the weeks to come. Verse 39 says, though those who passed by uh, hurled insults at Jesus, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. And they were quoting what he had said earlier, uh, basically saying, you said you were going to do this and now here you are. Where is your God in the middle of this time? Verse 41, in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him, crying out, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. Then the next four words really hit the heart of their mockery when they said, he trusts in God. Everybody say, he trusts in God. God. One more time, he trusts in God. They're saying, well, where is your God? You're still going to trust in God? I mean, when you're hanging there on a cross, he trusts in God. Well, let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. Where is your God now? Now, admittedly, if you were there looking on at Jesus hanging on the cross, you might say something like they did as well. He trusts in God? Where is his God now? Because if you would have seen him you would have been deeply disturbed because Scripture tells us very clearly what they did to Jesus, and they beat him and abused him so severely that he didn't even look like a human being. I mean, oh, think about this. They, they took his shirt off, his, his clothing off, and whipped him 39 times across the back with a, a leather whip that would have had 
pieces of glass and metal and, and sharp objects that literally would rip his back open, that oftentimes this kind of scourging would leave uh, his internal organs exposed. They blindfolded him, and with their big signet rings, they pounded him again and again in the face, crying out, prophesy, tell us who hit you, until his face was black and blue and bloody. Then they put the crown of thorns, just to make fun of him, upon his brow, the, the sharpest thorns you can imagine, and pushed it down to where blood just covered his face. They kicked him again and again. They spit on him. They took the creation, took the creator, put him down on the ground on pieces of wood, and drove stakes through his flesh, through his heels. History tells us that they would have stripped him down naked, and there he is, looking more like an animal than a man, hanging naked on the cross. And they're saying, you, you still trust in God? Where is he now? Where is he now? Trust. The root word that's translated as trust in, in this uh, portion of scripture is spelled P-E-I-T-H-O. And if you're taking notes, it means to convince or to rely on with inward certainty, to have full confidence or complete trust. You still trust in God? You see, it's very easy to trust in God when things are going well, but it's difficult to trust in God for many of us when life goes dark. And all of us must answer at some point the most fundamental question of life. Do you really trust God? From the beginning of creation, every force in hell would try to undermine the character and authority and nature and goodness of God. Even in the form of a serpent, the evil one came to talk to Eve and said, you gonna trust him? Did he really say don't eat from that fruit? Did he really, are you really going to trust him? Because it is easy to trust him in the light, but it's so much more difficult to trust him when life goes dark. I'll give you an example. I, um, last week, I just needed some time alone with God. And I'll tell you this not to make myself sound super spiritual, because the reality is I've never done this before. But we live in the deep woods. I mean, we're talking deep woods where there is every kind of animal you would never want to see. And I'm telling you the truth. Years ago, a buddy of mine, we saw a mountain lion, and both of us saw it, and we told everyone, we saw a mountain lion, like, you lion, and nobody believed us. Everybody said, there's no mountain lion where you, there's no mountain lions here. I said, we saw a mountain lion. Everybody called us a liar, a fool, until about six months ago, they got a picture of a mountain lion just blocks away from my house. And I was like, see! I told you I saw a mountain lion. Scared, I mean, cats are bad enough, but a cat that can eat you, that is a bad, bad thing. And so I just, we live in the woods, and I've cut these trails in the woods for us to go and, and uh, uh, hike and, and do stuff. And I needed some time with God. I was just, I've been on a long stretch, and, and I just needed time with God. So I went out to pray, and I, I found kind of a, um, a spot where it was clear, and I thought, I'll pray for you know, 15 minutes or so, and, and that's, that would be good. Well, 15 minutes or so into it, I really could sense that God was 
he was there and he was ministering to me. So I stayed longer, 30 minutes. 30 minutes turned into an hour. Hour turned into probably an hour and a half or so. And it got dark, pitch dark, darker than dark, dark, black, dark, no light, dark, clouds, no, no stars, dark, dark, dark. And finally it got so cold that I thought I, I didn't want to go in because I really sensed that God was with me. But I thought I'm cold and it's dark and I'm getting scared. And so I thought I... I, I the easy thing, the smart thing to do would have been to walk out onto my street and then come up my driveway. But I thought, you know what? My life's kind of dull right now and God is with me. So I am going to trust God and walk through the woods in the dark. Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> I started walking in there. Once I got under the tree cover, it was so dark, I couldn't even tell where the trail was. I had my cell phone out, using it as a flashlight, <laughs> praying, God, I know this was stupid, but thou art with me in the valley of the shadow of death in the middle of this. Help me, oh God. And I was going there. through. Then all of a sudden, I saw this animal run out in front of me, and it was a rather big animal. And I just kind of panicked, and I realized it was my dog, Sadie, who had been coming back and forth. And so I just stopped, and I... And I said, Sadie, come here. Here's Sadie. Here's Sadie. And the animal did not come up, wagging a tail, licking me in the face. It was not Sadie. I'm telling you, I got so scared. I, could, I don't know if you've ever heard your own heartbeat. I mean, it was like, oh. I am fairly certain I didn't say a bad word. But I am 100% certain that I fought one right there in my preacher head. And, and it, I mean, it was there, and I was like, oh, and I couldn't breathe. And, and so I, I thought about turning and running, but I thought this mountain lion can overtake me and will eat me from behind. I, I was visualizing the headlines, local pastor mauled to death by a mountain lion in his own front yard. And I mean, my, I just panicked, and I, I just stood there frozen for who knows how long, and finally I just tried to step by step, just walking back. All I could see was these two little eyes looking at me, and I just walked back, and I, to this day, I don't know what it was. I, I don't know, it could have been a man-eating raccoon, could, it could have been a flesh-eating deer, could have been a cougar, I don't know. But it, it, I went from trusting God with everything to moments later, not even sure if there was a God, and knowing that if there was, I was about to meet him. I mean, it's, like, it's so easy to trust God when life is going the way you want it to, but it's so much more difficult when you don't understand when your life is in the dark. Speaking of dark, here's what the Bible says about this time on the cross. Uh, Matthew 27, verse 45 through 46 from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, from 9 a.m. until noon, darkness came over all the land. Midnight darkness at midday, as if God would say, I'm not going to let my sun shine on this event. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. In the Greek language, this means he was screaming. He had endured all of the abuse of men without complaining. But the moment God withdrew his presence, Jesus cried out, screaming, Eli, Eli, lama sabatane. And in the middle of darkness, he screamed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Never one time did he complain when men did their worst. But when God withdraws, 
he screams out in agony, I can't take this, I don't understand this, why? It's interesting to me that all through the Gospels, Jesus referred to God as his father, his Abba, his daddy. But at this moment, something happened. I don't know what it is. But instead of saying daddy, Abba, Papa, Father, he says, my God, my God, why? This is perhaps one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And unquestionably, it's one of the most confusing. I mean, you have Martin Luther centuries ago said, how can God forsake God? Because that's what happened. And the answer is, I don't know. I I cannot explain this. There there are so many theological challenges in this question that I I could not even begin to answer. How? Why? What? what, God, his son, forsake him? I mean, did did Jesus had to know? Did he know? Did he not know? Surely he knew. He knew all. He was God. All these questions. And he embraces the one question that almost all of us ask at some point in our lives. When it goes dark and we don't understand, we end up asking, why? Hi, my name is Lisa, and in July of 2008, my husband and I went in for a routine ultrasound at 20 weeks. And we found out then that our baby didn't have a heartbeat. Hi, my name is Scott. About, it was an early morning, I got a phone call, and it was about my grandson being taken to the hospital. And he was my little buddy, he was, he was the world to me. I have other grandkids, but, but Nova was, he was special. Uh, my name is Deidre, and um, my father sexually abused me until I was eight years old. Um, and he also beat the living daylight out of my mother. And when we got there, and they had just had just gotten him resuscitated, they admitted him into the, his room, and and it was at that point that I was like, God, why, why? He's not even three years old. Why would you take this precious boy? It made me feel betrayed by God. It made me feel dirty. It made me feel like God left me um, out there by myself. Um, and I asked why. Um, I couldn't understand why God would allow something like that to happen to me. It was about a week when, when he finally uh, passed away. So that was the hardest thing that we ever had to go through. And it was the hardest point in my life. And I questioned and questioned and questioned why why was this baby taken from us when I never got to hold him or kiss his face? Hearing um, those hurts and those questions, it, I mean, that, that's, that's where we all live at some time or another. You ask why, I don't understand. And the reality is we have to understand that we're not always going to understand. And that, that's truth. Because we only see part of the story. We, we can't understand everything from God's perspective. In fact, Paul said this 
very clearly in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, when he was comparing now with eternity. He said, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, but then one day on the other side, we'll see face to face. He said, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. I just can't understand it all right now. We only see a part. It's a little bit like this. I if I held up this and asked you, what two words do you see? Many of you would say, I see nowhere. Others of you would say, no, actually I see now here. Those of you from the deep south, you'd say, I see no hair. No hair, okay, but that's your deal. <laughs> it, it, you only see part at the beginning. And, and a lot of people in hard times, they say, God is nowhere to be found, and others who truly get to know God, they say, no, he's now here. Even though I don't understand, he is here. Even though I don't understand. When, uh, when my daughter uh, Joy busted her chin wide open on a horrible accident, uh, knocked herself out, and, and we had to take her to the emergency room, and they had to do double layers of stitches, um, I never will forget the frustration I felt as I, I had to pin her down as the doctor stitched with all of my weight and she screamed out, Daddy, why? Don't let them do this to me. Daddy, please, no. I love you, Daddy. I just want to go play. And I thought, there is no way I can explain to this three-year-old girl what she is incapable of understanding just as we are often incapable of understanding God and his divine purposes, even or especially in our pain. Here's what God says, Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We only see part of the story. But the good news is God's word gives us some things that we need to remember when we don't understand. Would you all please now welcome your local pastors as they come to share with us what to remember when you don't understand. Make them welcome. I want you to say this declaration with passion. Say, God is good. God is for me. God is with me. How do we get from the place in life where we're like, God is nowhere to be found in this circumstance, to the place where we say without a doubt that God is now here. Life moves. Curveballs come at us. Things change. How do we get from here to here? We hold on to a God that is unchangeable. That's what we do. Let's be honest, some of us are not in a crisis. Some of us, some of you here today, you feel blessed and praise God for it. You feel the abundant smile of God in your life and remembering who God is and holding on to him in your life probably looks a little bit like this. It's calming, time with him. You're reassured that, that he is good and he loves you. But in every life, the winds change direction, always. And the storms of life begin to blow. And the challenges and the curveballs and the betrayals and the things you didn't expect. And all of a sudden, holding on to who God is looks a little bit more like this. <laughs> 
Anybody relate? I don't know why he's smiling. But sometimes in life, you get to a point where the chaos and the hurt and the confusion are so great that holding on to who God is leaves you with white knuckles and, and worn out muscles spiritually. And so today, we're going to hold on to an unchanging and immovable God. I want you to write this down. We were going to remember that God is good. Would you write that down? That God is good. In Mark chapter 10, verse 18, Scripture says this. No one, not one of us in this place, no one is good except two, except God alone. He is good. Here's why it's important. Because we tend to project our present situation on God. When we are confused and when things happen that we don't understand, we say, God, why have you left me in this place? I don't get it. Where are you? When things happen that are bad, we, we sometimes think maybe God isn't good because he's allowing this thing. But our God transcends circumstance. And that's what we hold on to. In the middle of cancer, God is good. In abuse, in hurts, so deep that we can't even explain it and they affect our lives for years. Even then, God is good. In grieving a loss, God is good. In war and atrocious things like genocide, God is still forever and it will never change. He is always good. We remember, we cling on to that, that God is always good. The second thing, write this down, is that God is for me. Would you write that down? God is for me. Romans 8, chapter, verse 31, Paul writes this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? I want you to just think about how ridiculous this idea is. It's unbelievable. God authored everything. The Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is the great I am. He breathed the stars into space, and yet scripture says he is for you. And if that is true, and scripture says that it is, that the God that created everything is for you, then friends, who and what circumstance could dare phase you? The all-powerful God is your advocate. He believes in you. He has a dream and a purpose that is beyond the confusion of today. And we hold on to that. And we remember that God is always good. He is always for us. And finally, write this down. He is with me. He is with us. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, Scripture says, never will I leave you. I want you to say that word with me. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never. That is good news. No matter how alone you may feel, 
no matter how betrayed you may have been, God promises that he will never leave you, that he is good, that he is for you, and that he is with you. Craig's going to talk in just a moment about why, why did God the Father have to turn his presence from his one and only son. But I will say this, he forsook and left his son so that he would never have to forsake you. So even when we don't understand, we can always remember that God is good and God is for us and God is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. So the question I'd ask you is this, do you trust God? Because it's easy to trust God in the light, but it's more difficult to trust God when life is dark. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us this. The Bible says that we are to trust in the Lord, not with some of our heart, but with all of our hearts. And the Bible tells us that we should not lean on our own understanding. We're not going to understand everything. But in all of our ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make our paths straight. The word in the Hebrew that's translated as acknowledge is actually the word yada, Y-A-D-A. And very literally, this word means to know. In all your ways, know God. In all you do, know God. Even when you don't understand, know God, and He will make your paths straight. Here's what I'm finding in my life. The better I know God, the less I ask why. And the better I know God, the more I ask, what? Instead of, God, why is this happening? God, why are you doing this? Why aren't you doing what I want? The better I get to know God, the more I ask, what? God, what are you doing? God, what do you want me to see? God, what is your purpose? God, what is your plan? When so many people say God is nowhere to be found, I say, no, 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 because I know him, God is now here. Instead of asking why, I've learned to ask what. You may ask, why did God forsake Jesus? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The answer is found in Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The Bible says that God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us. Jesus became sin. Why? So that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Why did God have to forsake Jesus? Because Jesus became sin. On the cross, he became rape and murder and adultery and lust and lying and pornography and cheating and racism and hatred and every other sin that's existed in this world. Jesus became sin and God had to look away because his eyes are too righteous to even look upon sin. And he died for our sins so that our sins could be forgiven. And when everyone around the cross didn't understand, God made him sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. So no matter what you're going through, never ever forget, God is good. He is for you, and he will never, ever leave you. 
I grew older, and um, in 2004, I was able to go on a mission trip to Honduras. And um, in, some, in my prayer time in Honduras, I, was, I prayed and was still asking God why. Um, and I felt like God revealed to me that he allowed that to happen. So um, a passion could be birthed inside of me for students, for youth, for young people. We struggled with the why and um, questioned and God showed us throughout the whole process that he was with us and that he, he was holding our Isaiah when we couldn't. But it was during the time when we knew that he was going to leave us, that he was going to, to go be with our Father in heaven, that we knew God was in this. We, we, we knew it was. But it was, it was difficult to get to that place. We, we really wanted him to be healed. But we, had, we began the process of accepting that God was God and God is good. I would never choose to have my father abuse me. But uh, by God allowing that to happen, um, I'm able, as a survivor, I'm able to tell my students that they too can forgive. They too can survive. They too can be healed um, and live with our true father. Because of that, man, I can experience the love of my true father, my heavenly father, a love that is pure and unconditional. After trying for a year and a half after losing Isaiah, um, we found out this past Christmas that um, I'm pregnant. And um, I have a piece about this pregnancy, and that's something that I feel that God has shown me and um, put on my heart, and he's been faithful, and he's good. At all of our locations, let's pray together. God, we find great comfort in the words of your son Jesus on the cross. Even, God, when he asked why, we see your divine hand and your purposes leading us every step of the way. Help us, God to trust you, to truly trust you. As you're praying today at all of our locations, some of you may be looking at something in your life right now and you're thinking, I really don't understand this right now. It's easy to trust God when things are going well, but when things aren't going so well, sometimes it's difficult to trust God. You don't see, you don't understand. If you're in a difficult place right now and you'd say, Craig, I, I really do need prayer. I would love to pray for you. If you, you wouldn't mind, just if you really need prayer right now, you're facing something you don't understand, would you just lift up your hands high right now, just at all of our locations, just go ahead right now and just lift your hands up before God today and say, yes, I need prayer. Let, let me just pray for you. God, I, I thank you that you know the details of every individual situation. And God, as painful as life can be, we acknowledge that sometimes in those lonely and, and times of questioning that, that you become all that we have and, and we realize then that you're all that we need. God, I pray that in this season of, of, um, of, of questions that your presence would be enough, that right now your Holy Spirit would touch every hurting heart and God, that your peace that goes beyond human understanding would guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in Christ Jesus. And God, even if we never understand on this side of eternity, God, we pray that we could truly, truly trust you because you are always good 
And God, because you are truly for us. And we thank you, God, that Jesus was forsaken so that we would never have to be forsaken. We could be forgiven and you would never, ever leave us, God, and never truly forsake us. As you keep praying today at all of our locations, there may be some of you that would say, you know what, I, I am so hurting, I don't know where to turn. And let me just tell you this, sometimes I believe God lets us get so low so we have nowhere else to look but up. You could be low right now because God wants you to look toward Him and cast all of your life on Him. Others of you, you may be like I was for so many years. You feel so guilty and unworthy because of all the, the things that you've done against the heart of God. And you wonder, could God ever love someone as bad as I am? Could God ever forgive me? And let me just remind you, Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. God judged sin on the cross and Jesus died for every sin that we've ever committed. And here's the good news. He didn't stay dead. The stone has been removed and the tomb is empty. Jesus is risen. And now anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You, you may be here today and you're hurting and you're low. It could be because God is reaching out to you. He wants you to look up and call on his name. You may feel guilty and unworthy. And guess what? We are all guilty and we're all unworthy. We could never earn our way to God. But this is the reason you're here today, to call on the name of the risen Christ he was forsaken so you could be forgiven. God will forgive all of your sins and make you brand new. This is the moment of your salvation. At all of our campuses today, those of you who would say, yes, I'm calling on Jesus, would you lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up and say, yes, I'm surrendering my life to Christ.